Welcome to the Hell in a Cell preview and prediction show for this Saturday, June 4th, 2022. We're going to go through the entire card, guys. I'm solo tonight, but that's okay, because we're going to have a lot of co-hosts coming up the next few weeks with uh, review shows and, and uh, weekend reviews and that kind of thing. But for tonight, we are going to be just joining myself. So it's me bringing on myself for the preview and prediction show for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view or a premium live event that is airing tomorrow night or if you listen to this, probably tonight, and we're going to go through every single match with all of our pre- uh, predictions and talk about some things that uh, maybe you're not thinking about, right? Like th- when you look at this card, I don't think it's very, uh, I don't think it's very overwhelming. It is a quote unquote B pay-per-view, but hopefully one of the side effects of this show is that you come out of this more excited than you were going in for the event. So let's get everything started right after this. You got to check out the mentality show. If you could be a fly on the wall and could hear how men think and really want to hear what goes on in the minds of everyday men, then you should check out The Mentality Show every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. Real men, real talk. The Mentality Show. You can find them anywhere you stream podcasts and YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look up The Mentality Show. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. The one that everybody wants, me. This is my idol. You're going to acknowledge me. All righty, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on the WWE Podcast. It is Saturday, June 4th, 2022. We're going to go through the Hell in a Cell lineup with seven matches. I believe that's the the last count. You know that they'll probably add or subtract or move one of the pre-show, as is customary for every live event that they do. Premium live event, formerly known as pay-per-views. So thank you, everybody, for joining us here. And one thing I'd like to let you know, given that it's a premium live event week, we have a Discord server. We have a little chat room, like an AOL chat room for those 90s kids like myself out there. And what that is, is a great place for you to go if you're a wrestling fan to chat with other patrons and passionate wrestling fans like yourself during those live events and during any live event or really any time, but especially during those premium live events because it allows you to get in real time reactions from others and you get to give your reactions in real time. There's also a voice chat room set up as well. If you'd like to speak rather than just type away, but that is something that you get on Patreon. If you are a patron of the show, that is one of the benefits of going on patreon.com slash WWE podcast, because you get that as well as access to hundreds of ad free episodes. The after dark show, the after show is exclusive to the $5 tier and higher, but uh, you definitely get, I think your money's worth. I mean, 99 cents or a dollar a month, not bad. But speaking of new patrons, I want to welcome Melissa Rattle. Melissa, welcome to the party. Welcome to the family. You get access to the Discord server, and I hope you enjoy it. It's a great place to go, as I said, if you want to engage with other fans. So, all righty. Well, that pretty much wraps it up, guys, as far as the intros and plugs go. Uh, so, Oh, and if you haven't checked out our AEW review show for Dynamite, Memphis Mark, for the first time ever, did a solo show covering the Dynamite show, the one with the MJF pro, uh, pipe bomb. Yeah, that one. 
he covered it, and he's filling in for Mimi, who returns in uh, a few weeks. She'll be back, hopefully. And so uh, in the meantime, we are filling in with some co-hosts and former hosts and everything else. And I think that uh, Mark did a great job. So check that out. It's on our feed. So, all right, let's jump into the Hell in a Cell event. And, you know, looking at this on a high level, is it, it is a B pay-per-view, right? It's a B pay-per-view, but that's that's fine because I think having when you look at the B pay-per-view, quote-unquote, a lot of times we don't have high expectations, which is a good thing sometimes in that the those B pay-per-views will surprise you and you come out feeling better than you had otherwise thought you may have, uh, may had. And so we're going to just look at the card here as a whole. Like, it's, it's headlined by Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. Headlined. We have a Raw Women's Championship match. We have a United States Championship match. We have a handicap match. We have a judgment. Uh, judgment. Well, it's not just. It's a grudge match. Uh, two grudge matches. Three grudge matches. We don't have noticeably missing the Intercontinental Championship. Where the hell is that? And, of course, Roman Reigns hoarding the top two championships, which apparently are one but we still haven't been told how he's going to defend it one or two or we don't know yet because he hasn't defended it yet. So that is also noticeably missing. You know, that is to be expected with Roman Reigns out. We knew that he was going to be into a different phase of his career. He said so. It's true. He's, He's not on every even SmackDown. He's not in house shows. He's kind of phasing out of wrestling in in a way. I don't think he's going to be completely gone, but he's, I think, literally entering a new phase of his career. That's true and good for him. But with that being said, and we knew Roman was going to be not really on TV much and not on our, in our faces as much and taking those championships and just kind of disappearing. We have an opportunity for other championships that may not normally get an opportunity to have an opportunity. Now that shouldn't be a qualifier. When you think about it, why should we have to have a world champion absent to give the spotlight to the other championships, they should just get their they should get their due diligence. They should get their due spotlight rather, uh, without having to see this scenario of well, the, the, the now that we don't have a world champion here all the time, and the pay per view doesn't have a world championship match, we can allow the Intercontinental Championship and the United States Championship to get more spotlight. To me, that shouldn't even be a thing. It should they should those mid tier mid to upper tier belts. Intercontinental in the U.S. should be getting their spotlight regardless of whether or not there's a world title match. That's my point. But especially when there's no world title on the line at all, why isn't the Intercontinental Championship being defended? Does somebody have a grudge against the Intercontinental Championship itself? I don't think it's against a specific wrestler. We saw Shinsuke take it, hold it, and disappear for six months. We have now uh, what Ricochet, who's you know getting beat by uh, Gunther on a weekly basis. So I'm not sure. I really don't know what what the the grudge is against the Intercontinental Championship. But that's kind of a high level look. I look at this and I'm like, yeah, it's. It, I think it's going to be a good card. It doesn't blow me away, and I. I think if I was going to give this a grade ahead of time, it'd be like a C-plus pay-per-view. All right. But let's go through it as there is a possible massive return that I'm going to talk about. And you guys have probably going to understand or not understand, but rather maybe thinking the same person that I'm thinking. But let's see if that's the case. But I'm going to give you guys the, uh, the, the good old hook 
and make you wait till the end of the show so you listen to the whole show. Uh, but if you're smart, you just use your finger and scrub to the end of the show. Anyway, uh, as I sabotage myself, here's what here's what we're doing here. Let's start with the no holds barred match: Mad Cat Moss versus Happy Corbin. This is a match that, look, we. I thought that Corbin could have a really good match the last pay-per-view with uh, Mad Cat Moss. It didn't happen. It was one of the worst matches on the card um, during the last premium live event. Just bad. It was bad. Now you add some some uh, you know furniture and weapons to the match. Sure, it superficially becomes more exciting. But from a storyline perspective, do I care a little bit more about Mad Cat Moss? Like maybe slightly. You know, so I guess I'm slightly more interested in this matchup because of the potential violence and because of Madcap, uh, you know, his, uh, I guess, his character that we're supposed to feel sympathy for. And I think it's working mildly well. So I think this is going to be a decent match. I do expect that uh, it's probably going to be Madcap Moss who comes away with the victory. I expect him to take get the victory and move on. That's it. <laughs> I mean, really, I don't much more to say about it. Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel. Um, and by the way, guys, just as a also overarching thought, I think this is the final event. God, I just want to say pay-per-view. The final premium, li- premium, premium live event in which we will see WrestleMania clean up. Now, we saw, of course, WrestleMania. Then we saw WrestleMania Backlash. And now I think this is the final phase of the WrestleMania era of this year. That we'll see uh, in terms of the matchups, I think, because a lot of matchups started at WrestleMania, which is very unique. But anyway, this uh, overarching thought as far as Kevin Owens and Ezekiel goes again, uh, I don't expect this to be a big time matchup. I mean, in in terms of no matter who wins or loses, I, I can't imagine Ezekiel beating Kevin Owens outright. I mean, Kevin Owens just came off of Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's crazy. My God. But, I mean, I, I expect Kevin Owens to... Prob- here's here's what I think is going to happen. Here's my prediction. Ezekiel wins. But Kevin Owens loses his mind and brutalizes Ezekiel. And then their blow-off will be at Money in the Bank. How about that? Or on, on SmackDown. I, I shouldn't even look to the next Premium Live event for them to say... Or, or for them to pay off a title match, pay off a big program. How many times have we seen them recently just blow off a big program on a normal SmackDown or Raw, i.e. the tag team title unification match as Exhibit A, right? So that's what I think is going to happen. Ezekiel is going to score a victory probably via a roll-up because they don't want to make Kevin Owens lose clean to a guy that is not very over and they don't know really quite what to do with yet. And there's a lot of criticism around Ezekiel and his his uh, arm tassels that resemble the Ultimate Warrior and all that kind of thing. Uh, the, the people are starting to go, hmm, yeah. You know, I, Ezekiel's got a connection with the crowd because it's, everyone knows that it's really Elias, but we're all playing along and we're fine playing along that it's Ezekiel. So there's kind of that charm there and kind of a wink and a nod. But Kevin Owens is losing his mind. Kevin Owens is making this program at least somewhat entertaining. But I think Ezekiel wins via a roll-up. Kevin Owens loses his mind, stuns Ezekiel, and then uh, just dump, demolishes him at ringside. And uh, the announcers talk about how despicable he is and how a sore, how, how much of a sore loser he is. Right? That's probably what happens. Judgment Day versus AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan. Well, this is fun. This is now we're getting fun. Uh, so 
as you guys know, I've been a huge fan of Judgment Day. Have they had some missteps? A few, barely any, right? I, I don't think that they have done anything that is irreparable in terms of where they want to go. They want to make this a big faction. They want to help create new stars, Edge at the helm. I know a lot of people are not enthralled with what Edge is doing, and it's too much of a change from his character. All that I think it's a bunch of nonsense. I mean, Judgment Day is entertaining. They keep teasing that they're going to add new members. They added uh, a lot of uh, intrigue, and Edge continues to do so on social media about who that person could be, who the next person or persons could be. And so here's what I'll say. I think that the Judgment Day wins, and it's because of another new member. And that new member, Finn Balor, the demon. Now, there's some logistical problems with that, right? If Finn Balor comes out as regular old Finn Balor, how the hell is he going to transition to the demon? And yeah, I don't know that answer. <laughs> if you're thinking some, I have some clever idea, I don't. Uh, so in, in other words, I think Finn Balor joins and you hear the heartbeat with the lights go on and off. And that symbolizes that the demon is really who's joining. And it's not Finn Balor. I think Finn Balor uh, ends up joining. Now, I could be wrong. I, I, it could be Ciampa who comes in. Hell, Paige has been also... Uh, floated, her name's been floating out there, including Edge, who posted her picture on social media. Uh, you know, it could also be AJ Styles, although I really recommend against that. Finn Balor's a, a decent selection. So I think Finn Balor will be that next person to join, and that'll be fun. So, I mean, I haven't been a huge advocate of it because I've said all along Finn is a guy that's already made. Factions are usually created or for the purpose of creating new stars. Finn, is he's not in that stage. He's well beyond that rookie stage. So, uh, anyway, that's what I think. Finn Balor ends up turning on his team or he uh, ends up afterwards demolishing AJ and, you know, Liv is obviously not going to be touched. But, yeah. So that's what I think. I mean, that this I'm not very confident on that. Like, I mean, it may sound not like I'm confident in my voice regarding that prediction, but I I would not put money on this. I really wouldn't. I mean, I could be totally wrong. AJ Finn and Liv win. Judgment Day, uh, you know, scours up the ramp, and there's no new member, right? It could be the complete, <laughs> complete opposite. So if anybody's placing money on what I say, don't do it. Uh, take that from a lot of co-hosts who have changed their minds on my justifications for picks, which are the opposite of theirs, and they end up changing their picks and then regretting it. So don't listen to me. There's a litany of hosts that I've done this to. Don't go and spend money. Some people do. Some people, I know, bet on wrestling. It's a, it's a, it's a very touch-and-go, uh, very risky, risky thing to do. All right, let's move on. Handicap match, Bobby Lashley versus Omas and M. VP. This is the end of this program. Let me just say that. That's the end of this program. Bobby Lashley wins, but because MVP is there to take the pinfall, it protects uh, Omos. Lashley, as the baby face, ultimately wins the blow off, which I, I would imagine that this is what the blow off is, is this handicap match. And Bobby Lashley gets his revenge on MVP, putting him in the hurt lock, making him tap, destroying him. Omos is not involved in, in the decision. Maybe he takes himself out by ramming his shoulder into the uh, to, to the ring post or, you know, whatever, falling off 
the uh, the apron through the announce table. I, I don't know, something wacky, right? Like he he takes himself out of the situation, which leaves Bobby Lashley and MVP alone in the ring. MVP gets destroyed. Hurt Lock. Bobby Lashley wins. Omas isn't involved in the decision. Again, protects Omas. I think that's that's what this is. So I think it's a win 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 all the way around there. And Omas can you know be rebuilt again after this loss. And it's, I don't know where they're going to go. Honestly, all of these men, where they're going after this, because Lashley come out victorious. Omos and MVP will be losers, but MVP can talk himself right back into heat. I mean, MVP is even though, even if all the heat is blown off and MVP gets exactly what he deserves, he gets put in the hurt lock for, I don't know, 27 minutes and he passes out. Honestly, MVP could come out that very next night and have the same amount of heat because he's gen- he's honestly he's um capable of that, which is a compliment to MVP. So let's move on here. United States Championship Theory versus Mustafa or Mustafa Ali. This match, I I want to be optimistic that this is this is a potential match of the night candidate. The problem is not that the talent in the ring aren't capable of it. It's that WWE may not give them enough time to show it. So it's okay. Great. It's a United States championship match. Wonderful. Ali in theory, excellent talents, very insanely inhumanly athletic. Great. And this has the potential all over it to go. Hmm. Wow. This is a, this is, this could be a crazy good match. And, you know, you're not wrong by saying that. I think there's a lot of evidence to support that that could absolutely happen, given the chemistry between these two and the youth and the you know all that. But ultimately, what's going to come down to is time. How much time is being allotted for this particular matchup? If the answer is less than like ten minutes, then this matchup is uh, unfortunately not going to be a match of the night. It's still going to be fine, but it's going to feel rushed. You can tell when a match has got only X amount of time and they want to get all their crap in. It's a It feels rushed. This is going to, unfortunately, I think, feel rushed, even though there's going to be crazy amount of moves and tornado DDTs and, you know, 800 and, you know, 1020 splashes, right? And there's going to be just crazy stuff done, but it's going to feel rushed. Lack of selling, which also is a side effect of rushing a match, you, in, by definition, will uh, not exactly sell the way you should. So... Uh, anyway, the 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 prediction is beyond this being a rushed matchup because of WWE's booking. Theory retains. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about this. Like theory retains. Period. Now, I've heard rumors about John Cena. John Cena and people have been dissecting his interviews and saying, "Oh, look, John Cena said theory." Like I have a theory, like all this stuff. And John Cena and Theory could have a matchup at at uh, at SummerSlam. Sure, they could. They absolutely could. Especially if Vince McMahon truly looks at Austin Theory or Theory as his protege, which I imagine he actually does. He wouldn't have spent all that time bizarrely demasculating uh, Theory in his office and, and all these weird. That, that was a bizarre two months. But I think Vince truly looks at Theory as a protege, as the next potential big star. And I, I, I see signs of it, I see what Vince sees to a degree. So I get it. And I don't dislike Theory being champion. So Cena could could come back. I would imagine it's closer to SummerSlam, though, if we're going to have a Cena theory match. So I know that's a name floating out around there. So 
All right, uh, let's take a quick break, though, guys. I know there's two more matches, the, the Raw Women's Championship match, and there's the Hell in a Cell match, and one of them has a potential massive return. So we're going to talk about that and dissect them piece by piece right after this. You got to check out the Mentality Show. If you could be a fly on the wall and could hear how men think and really want to hear what goes on in the minds of everyday men, then you should check out the Mentality Show. Every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. Real men, real talk. The Mentality Show. You can find them anywhere you stream podcasts and YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look up The Mentality Show. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. All right, a couple more matches, guys, and we'll close things out. I know with the co-host, the shows, the preview shows are much longer, but uh, yeah. So don't worry, uh, I will have a review host tomorrow. That'll be a much longer show. I can promise you that. All right, let's talk about the Raw Women's Championship match: Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch versus Oscar. I expect this to be a fairly long match. I mean, fifteen minutes. When I say long, maybe you know, could be a little bit longer, but probably fifteen minutes is about where they're going to go with this, and. This is this is an interesting match because on paper you'd say, well, Bianca Belair has to retain, right? Why wouldn't she? Becky Lynch just dropped it. There's no need to have her uh, regain it. Asuka doesn't seem like she's in the, the right uh, place in her, uh, her career right now to take it. And, you know, that... I think that holds water, and ultimately, I think, here's my pick, Bianca Belair retains. But I would not bet the farm on it, because I think that there's a case to be made for Becky or Asuka winning it. Not that I think they will. Uh, I think with Becky Lynch, you can't ever go wrong with Becky Lynch's champion. It's the comeback story. She said she's going to be the comeback kid. There's there's something to be said for that. You know, there, there is something to be said for her as champion. Um, there's also Asuka. Who I think makes look. Let me let me rank this. I think Bianca Belair is the most likely, followed by Oscar and Becky Lynch being the least likely. So I think Becky Lynch doesn't really have a good chance, although there is a chance. Stronger chance goes to Oscar, who is, uh, you know, I I think always an excellent uh, women's champion in terms of how she represents herself and feeling credible and all that. While her character is underdeveloped, and she's a bit cartoonish at times. She makes up for it in the ring and her her music and her gyrations and all, all that stuff, which is it's amazing that she can have such success with such limited English. Although I do appreciate her using in WWE, acknowledging that she knows more English. Same with Shinsuke lately. They've kind of done the same. They've adopted the same, I guess, policy lately is like, OK, if you actually know the English words, speak them on air. I mean, maybe somebody's listening to the show. I don't know. But. Both Shinsuke and Asuka, honestly, over the last month or so have suddenly taken to speaking more, and I like that. But I think Asuka is a babyface. I think makes sense with her as champion. It almost never not doesn't make sense, or rather, let me, let me, there's like a double negative. It very rarely doesn't make sense for Asuka to be, not be women's champion. So the reason I think she has a stronger chance than Becky and somewhat on a, a, a similar path as uh, Bianca in terms of chances is that we have Rhea Ripley, Rhea Ripley, who's in judgment day. 
And I think eventually she's going to bring gold to that group. And if you're a heel, you want to work with a baby face who's carrying gold. Becky Lynch's champion doesn't work. Bianca or Asuka. And then Asuka and Rhea Ripley would be fun. But Bianca Rhea is a match that, I mean, guys, if you haven't seen them wrestle before, you're missing out. They've got great chemistry, very solid in-ring performers, beyond solid, excellent in-ring performers, especially Bianca. Everything about them, I think, makes sense. And I think Bianca Belair retaining here is probably what happens. She likely pins Lynch, who can take the pinfall and move on with her life. Uh, She's on a bit of a losing streak anyway. So having Bianca pin Becky is, I think, what's going to happen here. And that's fine. I have no problem with that. I mean, you could also have Bianca pin Oscar and then Becky Lynch go off about how she wasn't pinned. I deserve a rematch, this and that. But uh, I ultimately think it's going to be Bianca and Rhea Ripley at SummerSlam. That's what I think. All right. So let's get to the final matchup here. Hell in a Cell, an actual Hell in a Cell match, which is interesting. There's only one. There's another theme for the overarching kind of observations, like a high level look at this. Only one Hell in a Cell match. I'm not complaining. I'm just shocked. WWE almost always in these gimmick pay-per-views has a dual matchup like Money in the Bank. There's a men's and women's, right? Elimination Chamber, men's and women's. Royal Rumble, men's and women's. Um, You have the uh, Hell in a Cell last year. And for like the last five years before that, since women started Hell in a Cell, there's usually a men and women's Hell in a Cell match. So this is very weird that there's only one. Again, I'm not complaining, and I think it does help with uh, not watering down the Hell in a Cell that's already been watered down into oblivion. But if you try to rebuild what it meant, certainly a great way to do that is, first of all, take it out of the damn schedule of WWE's pay-per-view lineup. But also, if you have the pay-per-view, if you have the premium live event, then only have one match that you deem worthy of the cell. And this one, to me, Cody and Seth, is is worthy of it. And I I anticipate them having a 20 to 22, 23-minute matchup here. I think it's going to be long. Uh, And here's a a key. If you haven't been watching wrestling for a long time, the key for you knowing it's going to be a long match, you'll know within 10 seconds of the match starting. Why? Because they know, the, the wrestlers know, that they have time to tell a story. Instead of just going to kick, punch, power move, power move, power move, which is what you'll see in matches that the wrestlers know they only have X amount of time, meaning like a very short amount of time is they want to get their their crap in. They want to make it as entertaining as possible. But when they have time and they know they have time, they will do a collar and elbow tie up. They'll start with chain wrestling, much, you know, much slower pace. Now, I say that. But the problem with this is, as I, as I contradict myself, see, I'm, see I, I'm having a debate, even though it's just me on the show. The problem with that is, this is a Hell in a Cell match. This is their third match. Would it make sense for them to really start with collar and elbow tie-ups with chain wrestling? Probably not. Especially inside the cell, which is supposed to be the, you know, uh, a brutal matchup, right? You, you don't want to start with like headlocks and you know rear naked chokes and like you you want to actually you want to ramp it up so while i say that it's not a hard and fast rule let me uh, put that little asterisk there 
it's not a hard and fast rule, but it's a general rule of thumb you can follow if you want to know how much time is given to any particular matchup. A general idea is how do they start? Do they go right into it? Kicks, punches, boom, 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 boom. Or do they start out slow and do like the the, the test of strength, right? They one, arm, one guy puts one arm out. The other one puts the other one arm out and see who's stronger. And they like, yeah, that kind of thing. That's just a little telltale sign. Now, I didn't even tell you my prediction yet. So this is difficult. This is difficult because Seth Rollins lost two in a row. You wouldn't imagine, you wouldn't think WWE would make him lose three in a row, would you? Well, I think he's going to. I think Cody Rhodes wins. And I think the reason he wins, this is going to be a little off. It's going to be off the, uh, no, not maybe not off the beaten path, but my my brain is telling me, don't, don't do this. It's saying, no, d- don't fall into the trap. Don't fall into the internet rumors. Don't do it. But I'm going to do it just because I'm a troll and because it's fun. Uh, even though everything inside me is like, don't do it. Cody wins because of Bray Wyatt. Let me just say it. Now, do I think that this is a a sure thing? No. Bray Wyatt for a long time has played mind games on his Twitter, uh, any anywhere else to, to, to kind of just get people talking about him. Keep himself relevant. Not that there's any substance sometimes behind it. How many times do people think he was going to show up at, a, at an AEW event and he didn't? So... Let me just it, let me just play to take the fun road, right? Let me let me give you guys the most entertaining outcome, and that's Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt costs Seth Rollins the match. Cody Rhodes wins. Not that Cody turns heel. Cody didn't ask for Bray's help, but just because uh, Bray wants to go after Seth for whatever reason we don't know yet, that's uh, that's what it is. Now, the argument against it is Bray Wyatt in WWE. I mean, we don't know if that relationship's repaired, but there are some really, really, really bad memories of the fiend Bray Wyatt inside Hell in a Cell and bad memories with Seth Rollins inside Hell in a Cell. It was uh, what, 2019 Hell in a Cell? Awful. God awful ending to that match. Go, go, if you guys haven't seen it yet, for the love of God, go watch that matchup with the, uh, it was for the Universal Championship, I believe, with Seth Rollins inside the cell. People actually booted it out of the building, and it deserved to have that uh, done to it. It was an awful ending. Was, the Fiend was no-selling everything. It was a joke. So, um, you know, that is, that'd be pretty ballsy on WWE's part to put The Fiend, if it's The Fiend, whatever, however they bring him back, against Seth Rollins and cost him the match inside the very place that they both had their careers turn on a dime. In the event. I mean, I don't know. So maybe there's some irony there, or maybe WWE feels enough time has passed, whatever it is. Uh, but again, do I think ultimately my, my heart is saying that Bray's returning, but my brain is saying, come on, you know, think better here. Do a better job. No. Either way, Cody wins, Bianca wins, Theory wins, Lashley wins, Judgment Day wins, and Mad Cat Moss wins. So... I think it was a four heel wins to three babyface wins, something like that. Uh, so that's my prediction. Those are my predictions for the Hell in a Cell event. So if you guys uh, want to support the show, you can go on Patreon, 
Patreon.com slash WWE Podcast if you want to get an ad-free experience for a dollar. Shout out on the show. Exclusive content, all that great stuff. And you can also do it on Apple Podcasts for just 99 cents a month. Go to our page. Ad-free, 99 cents a month there. Or WWEpodcast.com. Go VIP. Use promo code Roman. Gets 50% off. So with all those uh, shameless plugs out of the way, guys, thank you for listening. And tomorrow is Hell in a Cell. I'll be back with a co-host tomorrow reviewing Hell in a Cell late into the evening hours, probably in the early morning hours. It's going to be a long night for yours, truly. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, take care. And I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash wwepodcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.